Hi everyone, welcome back to the Behind Her Success podcast. My name is Angela and I am your host and we are back again with another amazing episode and we've got another wonderful guest speaker. This is now our second episode of the Authentic Beginnings series and we are so excited to get back into it. So please sit back, relax and enjoy. Cool. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Behind Her Success podcast. I am here with an amazing guest today who is Sydney Samuels. Sydney, please say hi. Hi. How are you? How's everything? Yeah, very good. Thank you. So how's the weather in South London right now? Because it's literally it's terrible here. Yeah, it's terrible here as well. Rainy, drizzly, depressing. Sometimes there's a little bit of a storm as well. Oh, was um, there a storm? So- I was speaking to one of my friends from London, I think earlier this week, and they was like, no, the weather's it's not great. And I was like, there's literally a storm here. Like, let's not even compare. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sydney, if you just want to give like a bit of background info for any listeners on just like who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Yeah, of course. So my name is Sydney Samuels. I'm 26 years old. Um, Like I said, I went to the University of Sheffield. So between 2014 and 2017. Um, Grew up in South London. um, So like Peckham, Nunhead, for those who know South London well. And and then, yeah, um, always been quite entrepreneurial. So when I was 11, I put in my application to go on to Dragon's Den. (laughs) And um, yeah, and Peter Jones actually invested in my first business. Oh my goodness. Um, so that was like my first experience with entrepreneurship um, and essentially I've started a company called Loop Not Luck which helps candidates from diverse and underrepresented backgrounds get their foot in the door and get access to career opportunities because me myself as a mixed race woman who was trying to get my foot in the door of kind of the financial services industry after uni found it really really difficult um, and realised that there needed to be a better solution to the problem that loads of people are facing on the company and the candidate side so yeah that's me first of all let's touch on that 11 year old you getting invested in what was the business what was the idea it was called a funk strap which was essentially like a it was like a seatbelt like a utility strap that kind of went around <laughs> so you know like at festivals and stuff everyone's wearing those kind yeah. of pouches and stuff like that it was kind of like my own version of that oh, and I like built it and stuff like that um, and it is somewhere in the deep, dark depths of YouTube. But, like, I'm not, not going to share it because it's quite embarrassing. But, no, I love um, that. Yeah. I love that. That's literally incredible. So from young, you've always had a very entrepreneurial mindset. Like you've always knew that this is the type of direction I want to go down. Not always. I mean, in retrospect, it seems obvious now. But I mean, when I studied English and philosophy at uni, um, and I guess if I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I might not have gone to uni. I might have just it's better to you can't necessarily learn in theory you've got to learn through action and trial and error which is what I'm in the process of doing now Mm -hmm. um so I mean I I kind of I did loads of things uh I was a butcher when I was doing my a-levels oh wow (laughs) um I've never heard of that before a-levels and on the side you're doing butchering (laughs) <laughs> yeah no one no one messed with me um and <laughs> yeah I just I've developed like loads of different skills loads of different experiences and I feel like that always helped me to be a much more kind of well-rounded person which in turn has helped me to be a better entrepreneur because mm-hmm. I just have loads of different diverse experiences a hugely diverse network of people not all people who are like super successful and professional and can do something for me but just mm-hmm. people different backgrounds or different ways of life 
Um, and I think that's really important when you're building solutions for people not that aren't just yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely the key. Like from growing up, I've always heard that networking, having a good and diverse network around you. And like you said, not even necessarily people that can do things for you, but people that you just know can provide some form of benefit are really, really just paramount to success. And I'm going to touch on the fact that you grew up in Peckham, um, obviously South London. Um, do you feel as though where you that had an impact on you wanting to kind of really push your horizon and broaden your horizon in terms of being an entrepreneur in terms of really um tapping into a lot more that the world has to offer because I feel like sometimes obviously maybe this is just like my knowledge growing up in Sheffield that um South London or people in London they like their bubble but did you see as like I want to broaden as much as I can and really maximize my horizon yeah I feel like it's a combination of a few things right so there is your environment and the people that you go to school with and the people that you hang out, hang around with and the people that are in your area. But I guess my experience was that, I guess Peckham's quite gentrified now, but back mm. when I was growing up, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> like there was, there was so much innovation and entrepreneurship because I guess when you have like, don't have kind of unlimited resources, you have to kind of be innovative and create, right? Yeah. Um, like just like the classic example of, of entrepreneurship is like people selling sweets in school right Mm -hmm. and and kind of seeing an opportunity seeing demand and and creating the supply um and yeah I feel like both my parents are quite have always been like super into traveling and kind of those experiences and that's kind of um I've kind of inherited that like I don't own anything designer what I spend all my money on is traveling and Mm -hmm. new experiences and stuff like that so I feel like genetically I've all I've I was kind of predisposed to to kind of wanting to go out and explore um and both of my parents have kind of really encouraged me to do that mm-hmm. that's great and where are you from ethnically I'm part Sierra Leonean Jamaican and English okay cool so you had like the mix of like both African and Caribbean sort of influences growing up yeah so my dad's half Jamaican half Sierra Leonean and my mum's English mm-hmm. uh, so I kind of but my mum also was very, which I realised some of my other kind of mixed race friends didn't necessarily get. She was very aware of the fact that she was raising black children. Okay. And had a very diverse like friendship group, which almost were like extended family that also mm-hmm. raised from like Moroccan friends, friends from Denmark. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? People from all over the world, Jamaica yeah. and like that. So I don't feel like I grew up in a necessarily like a white household I felt like I grew up in a pretty diverse household yeah um not just kind of purely African Caribbean but kind of people from all over the world that are like my aunties and uncles that Mm -hmm. I would on and draw from so yeah pretty eclectic okay good and do you feel like having that sort of really broad range of people around you and diverse perspectives around you also played in your desire to be an entrepreneur because I think when you see people I think when you have those influences all around you, it kind of also plays on the desire to kind of like explore further, like I was speaking about earlier. Yeah, definitely. I think there are lots of experiences, the people you meet, the people that your family choose to surround you with that it, like naturally kind of end up partially raising you, the people that you then decide to surround yourself with all kind of drip towards the contribution of the type of person that you become. And then obviously there is also your ownership over taking responsibility for who you want to mold yourself into with those kind of experiences and resources and 
connections that you've been given. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And now just to ask about like your education. So did you go to primary school, secondary school, six one college in Peckham? Yeah, so I went, so I grew up in like Peckham, which I'm non-head Peckham, so mm-hmm. they're each other, um, still kind of SE15. Um, and then I went to Ivydale Primary School, which was on my road, and um, then went to Sydney School, Sydney Girls, whatever you want to call it, I think, I mean, everyone calls it Sydney Girls, but it's <laughs> and then went to the sixth form of that school, um, SFH6, which was in partnership with Forest Hill Boys, and then went to University of Sheffield. But then when I moved back, I moved back to Croydon, which is where I am now. Oh, really? When I was on my placement year in London for all of third year, so I was working at a consulting firm, and I stayed in Croydon. Oh, crazy. Nice. I like, the way I say, like, South London, like, I know it, like, I don't. I just, I was there for it. Oh, that's nice. So mm-hmm. um, do you feel like your education and being taught in such a again going to go back to like a diverse background diverse environment also played on the fact that you would obviously um characterize yourself as like a well-rounded person now and ask this question because I think that a lot of um I think I'm more looking towards like CEOs and partners within corporate organizations their schooling and their background and their education is obviously predominantly white and like predominantly successful white males that they're seeing so I think obviously growing up again in an area like South London and having exposure to people that obviously look like do you think that that's obviously shaped you in becoming the well-rounded woman that you are today? Yeah partially but it's a combination of a few different experiences right because I mean at secondary school I would have I would be one of those people that don't stick with one particular clique or one Mm -hmm. particular I'd float from like the nerds to the like mm-hmm. groups and then to the <laughs> I'm still cool with all the like the rude girls and you know, yeah. I was just someone who was and even to now I don't have one friendship group I have lots of different friends and a few different groups that I like to kind of float between mm-hmm. <laughs> um and yeah so South London kind of like obviously state-funded education it was predominantly like it was put on predominantly black my school and I think about when I was there, I remember this stat because it was just so shocking <laughs> that like less than 50% of people in my school got three, got five C's. Oh, at wow. That means that 50% didn't get a minimum of five C's. Oh, wow. So there are some people that in my tutor group who are in prison and there are some people that are doctors. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's just it's literally kind of you get what you what you take and what you use from it. Yeah. Growing up in South London as somebody with mixed heritage, I was always kind of referred to as mixed race or a lighty or whatever oh, yeah. when I was, yeah. was in kind of the black environments. And then I moved to Sheffield. That was the first time I was referred to as a black girl. And I was like, pretty, oh, pretty confused because I was like, in the black spaces, it's my whiteness that's referenced. And then in the white spaces, all they see is my blackness. So studying English and philosophy and kind of exploring the idea of identity um, it's probably like was that kind of personal experience of I guess a a lack of belonging to a particular community when I jumped from a predominantly black community to a predominantly white community that did really um spark that kind of interest in understanding where I fit in the world mm-hmm. and um inevitably when you're doing that you're meeting lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds and yeah. you 
as a default get that well-roundedness and then I went to um my first job out of university um oh sorry about that my first job out of university um it was at kind of Nomura which is a Japanese investment bank yeah and I was then that was a whole new world of like mm-hmm. like saying the pretty kind of um privileged um well-educated probably privately educated um people and then it's another place that I don't really match in terms of socioeconomic background mm-hmm. um, so yeah just putting myself in these spaces where I feel quite uncomfortable and have to learn to navigate them I think has helped to build a I guess a diverse bank of resources to be able to tap into so that I can jump across all of these different um lanes okay perfect and so with loop not look how where do you feel like the origin like the actual seed was first planted in your mind to kind of begin this so so in my second year at university I decided that I wanted to make some money and that I wanted to try and get a job in financial services Mm -hmm. and I sent in over like 30 plus really thought through applications you know these applications take time Mm -hmm. ages I'm in the process. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was very few. Um, and got an equal amount of rejections. Yeah. I found it really difficult to just get anyone to like give me some work experience or give me a chance because I didn't have a network already kind of pre-established in yeah. that in that field. And it's that chicken and egg scenario that everyone kind of talks about. It's like you need experience to get experience and how do you actually get that first opportunity? Um I managed to get some just expenses like travel paid work experience at a small wealth management company um over the summer and then in my third year I went along to an employers on campus event where a guy called Andrew Lofthouse um was talking and he um he kind of I told him about this business idea that I had at the point at that point in time and he kind of took me on his ring a little bit. In retrospect, I realised he was kind of a bit of a mentor through that application process. He invited me to a women investment banking event. And then went along, Googling on the train down from Sheffield, like, what is investment banking? <laughs> and um, met the head of woman who was head of investment banking. And she gave me, not head of recruiting, sorry. She gave me her card. And in my third year, it was the only graduate scheme I applied for. And I managed to get it. Wow. And that was because... I knew somebody like I knew somebody who knew somebody and he was mm-hmm. able to vouch for me internally and when I got into the graduate scheme I recognized that 28 out of the 30 had some in some way they knew someone who worked at the company they'd on a summer internship or so you think there's 30 seats available in a graduate scheme but actually there's only two wow um, and it just made me realize after kind of helping Nomura to set up their ethnicity network and there was a real disconnect to the world that I came from like like I was saying so many entrepreneurial people where I grew up that if they were given the opportunity to come into a company like Nomura or startup or an exciting kind of marketing business they'd come in and they'd they'd like they'd tear everything up they'd they'd, Mm -hmm. they'd smash it out the park they first of all probably don't think that a place like that or do you know what I mean would even hire what's the point of even looking or putting putting something in for consideration but that's a whole other conversation uh, and then also they're not aware of the opportunities because jobs boards at the moment it's a high level keyword search and then you <laughs> have to scroll endlessly through thousands and thousands of posts and technology is advanced enough for us to be able to streamline that process so that I can say okay these are the top opportunities for you yeah focus 
buying and, and doing it that way. So I guess it was a gradual process mm-hmm. of me me piecing together and saying, okay, there's talent here that I know exists and there's companies over here that I've worked for and worked in who are really desperately trying to find that talent but don't know where and don't know how. Yeah. I feel like I'm the right person who sits at the intersection of these two worlds to be able to um, build an effective solution so that we don't get the can we don't get the applicants is no longer a viable solution for businesses not being diverse. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really insightful. And I was gonna ask how was your experience in Sheffield University in also kind of wanting to create Loop Not Look? Because obviously you said that it was around your second year that you decided that you wanted to make some money. And you also touched on how when you came to Sheffield, you was identified as a black girl. So do you feel as though your university experience also kind of heightened your desire to create Loop Not Look because it's such a different environment to what you had initially come from with your um or bringing in South London? Yeah, I don't know if it played too much of a role. I had mm-hmm. a really good time in Sheffield. Um, That's good, my city. <laughs> yeah, I had a really good time. Uh, to, I guess towards my like third year, I was ready to finish uni. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in their third year, like, okay, I've done I've done my piece here. Like, yeah. Nights out are all the same now. I'm, I'm a bit over it. Like, yeah. Um, so... I, yeah, I had I had a good time at Sheffield. I learned what I needed to learn and That's good. made the friends I needed to make. And I don't feel like I had any kind of negative experiences in Sheffield um, that would have been, I guess, different in any other mm-hmm. university, anyone else's university experience. Um, it was just, I guess, moving from a predominantly black area to a predominantly white area, you, you are viewed differently because you're measured against what's normal. Yeah. And, um, or what the majority is and in 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 neither environment was I the majority mm-hmm. so do you feel as though with Sheffield it was just kind of like another experience that you had to add to your resource bank in terms of people that you met experiences that you gained that just added to the success of Loop Now Look yeah I think so okay lovely and I was going to ask you do you feel as though you working at Nomura and you um, having those initial sort of like corporate experiences helped with sort of like laying the foundation for Loop Not Look because you kind of had that first-hand experience of having someone help you get to where you are. So do you feel like without that experience, do you think that Loop Not Look may have taken like a different shape and a different route because you kind of know what exactly it feels like to be in that situation where you don't have people to help you to get to that application stage? Exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree that I don't think Luke McLuck would exist if I didn't have that guy that kind of took yeah. under his because essentially the whole, even the name, right, it's about kind of getting the loop, don't need for success to luck. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that it was kind of serendipitous or kind of just like happenstance that they found this career or they spoke to this person in a coffee shop or met this person on holiday and do you know what I mean? And yeah. there, there is a bit of luck that happens and that's something that we can't control, but we can control a lot of other stuff which yeah. from different backgrounds even being aware of the opportunities that you have available at your company um if I hadn't had that experience where I kind of got lucky um in terms of the right person meeting the right person at the right time because I wasn't even going to go to that event I just hadn't done mm-hmm. anything all day at uni and thought oh let me just do at least one thing productive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and went along um and happened to meet that guy I don't think Luke Nutlock would exist if I hadn't on that day at university gone down to that event. Um, 
it's yeah it's it's interesting because I guess even my series of events is quite lucky but I don't think it should be up to luck in terms of being aware of the opportunities that are out there that are absolutely amazing for you I don't mm. think you have to dig through thousands and thousands of posts no, and side question do you believe in fate like do you think fate is real um I haven't given it enough thought I don't no. think I think that I like to, so whether it is real or not, I will, you'll never know 100%, right? And I think that you can believe in fate. And I think it's nice when things go your way to, 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 to put it up to fate. But I also, so I gave a talk at NatWest on Friday, uh, pretty much talking about kind of getting lucky. And we need to kind of change our psychology around, oh, yeah, I was really lucky to get the opportunity. Oh, it was fate. and Because actually you're, you're not taking responsibility for your um, hard work and action that you've put behind actually getting there so I like to try always try and kind of pull myself back to actually no like I put in a lot of work and I did I, I did the application I did this and I was do you know what I mean and actually trying to take a bit more responsibility for the success rather than leaving it up to irreplicable forces because then mm-hmm. actually it's down to fate then that I kind of or, or it was down to luck that I got that that opportunity then that means that I'm not going to be able to it's very unlike I'm gonna have to leave it up to luck again for mm-hmm. Again, um, which is taking your the work that you've put kind of I think it's it's underplaying it yeah and, and women tend to do that um to say oh we had a great team I was really lucky whereas men say no I'm fantastic I'm the mm-hmm. best person. I worked really hard no it's true <laughs> and, and in turn people believe that about them because they then they genuinely believe about themselves so yeah it's an interesting topic mm-hmm. very interesting I think that even myself like I would 100% put like a lot of the things that I've done and experiences that I've had just like down to my, my path I don't know I'm, I'm a believer in you know if things are meant for you that they will be yours but I definitely understand what you're saying about you need to credit yourself where it's due and where you've put the hard work in and where you've put the steps in to get to where you want to be which I think is very important. And I was going to ask you about your sort of future career aspirations. Because you're 26, like you're very much still a youth, very much still young. So I think that it's literally incredible the fact that you've done this, like you've got so much under your belt right now. So let's say the next four years, like when you turn 30, what do you see your life as being? Okay. I like I like that you still think me think of me as No, you're still young. You're still young. <laughs> um so we've just closed our first funding round, which is really exciting. So we closed 150k from different angel investors. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. And less than two percent of venture funding goes to women and it's 0.02 for black women. So I mm. think between 2010 and 2020, only one black woman raised a series A round. Wow. Um I know from the stats since that I mean I know a couple of like black women, especially young women who've managed to raise investments. So I'm hoping that by the time that next report comes out that number's gone up significantly but that was my real kind of task for this year to close the investment round I would hope that within four years I'm gearing up to sell the company and hopefully kind of <laughs> enjoy the fruits of my labor mm-hmm. and um hopefully have a have a few million to to, to fall Amen. back <laughs> to work out my next move mm-hmm. I yeah, I I am a planner, but more in terms of like quarters. Okay, yeah. so what can we achieve over these next three months? I would like at the point where I sell my company to be able to like go around and give talks and um, fulfill some of my other dreams. And um, I mean, 
I'm kind of kidding myself and I think that I would always have some kind of businesses on the go at some point, whether that be other tech companies or I don't know, property portfolio or something like that. I just, I just, just will take it as it comes. I feel like I definitely, when, when life was a lot more kind of, there was a very clear path that you go to university, you get a graduate scheme, you try and get promoted after two years and then you can do that. And it was very clear for me to be able to set those goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, the last few years, nobody could have predicted that that happens. You've just got to be able to pivot on the go. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm doing, uh, taking the opportunities as they as they come and just trying to master each day rather than try and master the next ten years. Mm-hmm. I love that master each day rather than try to master the next ten years. That is beautiful. So, all in all, how would you summarize your? upbringing your education and kind of like your early life experiences into one sentence that has shaped you to the woman that you are today I had a lot of opportunities that I took advantage of which has helped me to become somebody who is fairly wise and insightful and hardworking. I would say be relentlessly yourself which I was (laughs) but sometimes I felt a little bit bad about it in terms of not necessarily assimilating to corporate life why why do you I did then which is what I would say kind of do it relentlessly and be yourself unapologetically (laughs) because you're still figuring out yourself and who you are as a person and you're kind of put into these very different environments. You don't know how much you're supposed to adapt because we do. You can't be yeah. saying the same madness that you do with your friends, with your family versus at work. Like you've got to have different kind of um, like levels to the, to the floodgates in terms of being. Yeah, I love that. Levels to the floodgates. Completely <laughs> authentic and not necessarily thinking about your wider kind of brand with the people that you're talking to. Yeah. Um, but... I would say, like, when you've got self-discipline, self-awareness and good intentions, like, you'll figure it out. And a lot of the value comes in the mistakes and in learning. So even the call that I was on um, before this, talking about kind of all of the different business models and things that they tried and stuff like that, like, you're constantly iterating, you're constantly trying to find what works. And that's that is a lot more obvious to see when you're trying to build a product but regardless of if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build a a product or a new service or create a business like if even though you're working on that you're also still working on yourself as a product in some way you need to Mm -hmm. you need to say okay does this like does this does this work for me does this align to who I want to be and my objective so obviously the objective for the business is to kind of build a socially impactful and profitable business um, if my objective and my kind of mission for myself um should be to live a live a happy joyful impactful kind of life or whatever like and it helps you to you can kind of iterate in their case say this person isn't the right person <laughs> to help me do this and fulfill yeah. my mission like you might need to let go of friends and family and not women but distance yourself (laughs) okay does this help me to become the person that I want to be the same way does this investment help my business to come become what it needs to be so um like you'll work it out but yeah your gut is usually right I feel like I gave so many like like fractioned pieces of advice there no I love that it comes together beautifully yeah hopefully so 
another question actually what do you think practically really helped you in becoming a successful entrepreneur like a practical step that you'd say consistently helped you in becoming who you are today like I was saying in terms of mastering the day not the next 10 years one clear Mm -hmm. thing that I need to achieve every single day has really helped me so reading atomic habits and actually saying I'm not going to try and because at uni I had to read like a book a week and it's just like Mm PSD um so really kind of reading that one book and implementing it in my life has completely like revolutionized my productivity how I think about things um and it's been really useful and it's less daunting than having to completely turn around your entire life and become the most productive person in the world kind of overnight it's about small changes to habits so saying okay um I'm gonna get out the house once a day even if it just means walking around the block like you you don't understand like the impact that it has on your mental health and then in turn your productivity and then how much you manage to get done so the practical thing is to do one high value kind of task each day and even if I don't do anything else for the rest of the day, which rarely happens, but some days, some days, are, not every day is a win. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I know that I've achieved something, right? Um, yeah. And part of that is is being able to distinguish between motion and action. So motion, when you mm-hmm. maybe spend loads of time researching lots of different things for you to include in that paper, but you haven't actually got around to writing the paper. Your workout is still zero out of a thousand. <laughs> like, yeah. motion, like, feeling like you're busy and feeling like you're productive versus action, which is doing it and putting kind of finger to keypad. And okay, you might have a bunch of rubbish the first draft, but then you redraft it and you've actually got stuff to work with rather than just constantly thinking in theory. Um, So yeah, I would say that. I love that. Absolutely love that. And I think, I think a book is in your future, Mastering the Day. Like that sounds like the title. That sounds like the title. I'll be the first to buy it. But I'll have yeah, you, I'll have you write the forward because I'm sure you'll be super successful by the time I Thank you. But um, yeah, I love that. I think just to round off, obviously we are the Women in Leadership Society. So we'd love to just kind of hear what advice you would give to female university students from like first year to final year as someone that's obviously graduated you've done all the uni stuff what do you think is the number one piece of advice that you would give to any female university student listening now just put yourself forward for things so when I was at university I did a I don't know if you're from Sheffield so maybe you know it at bum it society do you know bum it Bombing. No, no, I don't know that. <laughs> like, it a bit like could could be dodgy, but it was actually about um, uh, it was a hitchhiking society. So we hitchhiked oh. from Sheffield to Ljubljana and Slovenia via Berlin. So like that's putting your finger, your thumb out on the side of the road and getting into. Right- you guys, yeah, did like that. I've never heard yeah, of that. Society. I don't know if it's still going. I feel like COVID might have like made it crash, um, but it was one of the best experiences in my life. So put yourself forward for things. It makes you, it builds up your network. It makes you more interesting. Like that was something I used in my interview in Namora and that like his, his attention, like his eyes lit up. He was like, what the hell? Like just have experiences, <laughs> do interesting things to put yourself yeah. in scenarios where you're forced to lead and you're forced to solve situations. Like one point we're in a, <laughs> we're in a petrol station for 12 hours. Tell me about a time when you face a challenge that like you've got, that is a very exciting oh my goodness it's it's, the grades are important but 
being an interesting mm-hmm. person that people want to be around and that people find exciting and that who's done different things and can add value is is how you're going to build the relationships which are genuinely going to then give help you to build kind of levels and above people who are okay they might be smart but they're just really boring and I don't want to sit next to them because they've got nothing yeah. to say um so build up your life experiences you've got no one watching over you no one do you know what I mean um telling you telling you what you can and can't do so the boundaries that you set for yourself are completely up to you so take advantage of all this experiences so the analogy that I like to use and that what I use for kind of a lot of my mentees is that the first kind of 10-15 years of your career because your career is long like if you work a kind of a nine to five or nine to nine or whatever your hours are until kind of retirement that's like well into your 60s right yeah it's what like 50 years at least it's crazy like it's so long like the first 10-15 years of your career like this is you building the foundation of your pyramid right and if you just Mm -hmm. focus in on one thing I'm just going to get really good grades and I'm just not going to have a social life I'm not going to meet anyone I'm just going to be really smart and then hope that will get me a job your like your building block is so small so your peak there's a limit to your what your peak can be right if you've got loads of different things you know lots of different people you've got lots of different experiences you're good at lots of different things you know what you're bad at you've got all of these things this builds up a really strong foundation and a really broad foundation which then you've got a wider base which means that you've got a higher peak in terms of where you can get to Um, and you can always come down and start to build the base but it's harder to do that later on right if you went like back to uni or yeah. completely started afresh I think that taking the time and not rushing to build a strong base um in terms of your skills your experiences the people that you surround yourself with um is what's going to give you long-term success rather than quick wins because life is long I'm only 26 but life is long <laughs> <laughs> no it's very true I think that's really insightful as well I think we had another guest for the first guest that we had for the authentic beginning series she said a very similar thing to you she said that all the opportunities I have at university should just grab them with open hands because it's not as though you don't get opportunities when you become and like immerse yourself into the working world but they're just limited like they're a lot less compared to university like everything is literally thrown at you in university you have like such a breadth of things that you can tap into and get involved in and I think that again you've hit the nail on the head with that like just dive in like submerge yourself into everything that you can yeah and like if you're thinking about starting a business and becoming an entrepreneur like you can actually get caught up a lot in thinking and planning and it's important but the best way to see if it's a viable business opportunity is to just do it. They've got so many grants for people mm-hmm. like under 25 or even 26. So um, like just, I just encourage you to try and to make mistakes and to embrace the mistakes because that's where you get the value and the learning. It's like, it's like you go to the, <laughs> you go to the gym and like, I mean, it's where, it's where the muscle rips, which is where the, which yeah. is where the pain. So like that's that's where that's where you see the value where a lot of people would be deterred or their ego would be damaged or they fall one time and they wouldn't get back up that's what if you want to have extraordinary results you need to have an extraordinary approach towards relentlessly um going the extra mile 
Beautiful. I think that is the most perfect closing sentence. So thank you so much, Sydney, for coming on the Behind Her Success podcast. It's been so lovely speaking to you and it's been really, really insightful as well. And I know that our listeners would definitely benefit from your words of wisdom. Thank you so So, much. Thank you. So to all of our listeners, we'll be back again very soon with another episode of the Behind Her Success podcast and more amazing guest speakers for our Authentic Beginnings series. But for the time being, thank you so much, Sydney. I should insert a round of applause right here because that was beautiful. Thank you guys. See you all very soon and have a 